Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 68 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 28th of August 2011, entitled True Saving Faith, Part 6, and the Bible reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 6. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We're going to uh, uh, begin by uh, opening our Bibles for our scripture reading this morning to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And of course, as we turn there, we will be continuing in our series, number 68, in our series on contending for the faith. And the sixth part of what we've been looking at on true saving faith, I'd like to uh, invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy word, beginning in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh by faith. Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith... It is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, as we have this time to be gathered in your house this morning. Lord, that we have your word before us that has been preserved down through the centuries that even this day we can read there once again. And Lord, that because of your spirit that lives and dwells within, Lord, that these words can be made alive into our hearts. Lord, not merely words on a page that we read, but your words. Lord, we pray this morning that as we meet together, that during this time of looking into your word, Lord, that you would meet with us in the power of your spirit. You know the hearts of everyone that is gathered here today. You know the hearts of everyone that, Lord, that you have meant this message for. So I pray, Lord, that you would undertake, Lord, that your work would be accomplished, that you would receive all the glory and all the honor for it. In the precious and holy name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. So we have over these past five, this is now the sixth week, have been looking at this matter of true saving faith. And of course, before that, we had looked at scriptural salvation. So in this part of the series, we're, we're not looking at everything that has to do with salvation, but as we have seen already in looking at scriptural salvation, for by grace are you saved through faith. And of course, we know that as we've looked at that, that we have asked ourselves this simple question, okay, as we have recognized that in order to get to God's grace... There is only one pathway. There is only one way to get there. The Bible says that that's through faith. That's our access. Now, we've looked at Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 29 there. And we've looked at Jesus making it so clear, and we've spent several sermons there of him showing us. You know, there are a lot of genuinely sincere people in this world. People that sometimes, sadly, they may live a better moral life than some of you here this morning. They may be more religious than some of you here this morning. Certainly more religious than this preacher. We find that we looked at all kinds of different comparisons and all of the possibilities. It's possible. It's possible to 
to literally know this Bible. It's possible to go to church week after week after week. <coughs> it's possible to go into many of our churches of today and be entertained and enjoy it and sit there and think what a great time this is. It's possible to do a whole list of things that we looked at and still one day not be prepared to stand face to face before our Creator and be ready to face Him with our lives because we've never had true saving faith. And we looked at all of those comparisons. Jesus went to a great deal of trouble to get the point across to us as we saw all the comparisons that he made. And he began with those two gates which we were literally commanded to enter at this narrow gate that led to the straight way. While most people are entering at the wide gate that leads on to the broad way. And most of them, they all think they're getting, they're on their way to heaven. They all think that they're doing the right thing. We find that we don't live in a day when it's popular to talk about anything being narrow because that just makes you narrow-minded. Now, some people are narrow-minded. <laughs> some people try to take the narrow way and make it a slit that nobody can get through. But we need to keep in mind we looked at so many things concerning this. We find that Jesus is the one that said that concerning this narrow way, there were few that found it, while many found. So there's the two gates, the two ways, the two destinations of, of, of destruction in life, the two crowds, the many and the few that are following these paths today. We looked at those people as he compared them to two trees, the good and the corrupt, that present two fruits, the good and the evil, two different kinds of possessions, the sayers and the doers, two different kinds of builders, those that are wise and those that are foolish, because they're building on two different foundations. Of course, there's only one that's going to stand the test of time. Are we building on the rock? Are we building on the sand? Because there's a storm coming, and there are lots of storms in life. But there's one storm that's coming one day that only the true is going to withstand. The Bible says we will all stand before God. We will all give account of ourselves. Now, the simple truth is, if we have experienced true saving faith, and we're not just holding on to something that's religious, something that's good, something that maybe we're sincerely genuine about, but yet it's not the true thing. You have a reason to fear that judgment if you're not sure of that. But today, to have that assurance of knowing that you've experienced true scriptural salvation that we have looked at because of true saving faith. And we find as we look here in Hebrews chapter 11 that as we begin to look at this faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for. It's that which holds it up. It's the entire support for it. It's that which is under it that if you take it away, the hope can exist. That's what holds it in place. That's what's there. And to take that faith from under it, then there is nothing in this world to give you true hope. We looked at that. And we looked at what faith was, this substance of things hoped for, this evidence of things not seen. We talked about the fact that it's only by faith, and we can read through this chapter all the things that were accomplished by faith that they were not visible with the eye. You couldn't see them out there with the natural eye. Faith, 
Faith is what brought those things about. We said that faith was a combination of, of three distinct things. First of all, that of acquiring knowledge. We've got to, first of all, know something. But it's not just to know the facts. We have already looked at the fact that the devils believe, don't they? They believe. But the belief that they have is not true saving faith because they're going to a different destination one day. Though they, they know who Jesus is. They know what he's done. They tremble at him. And yet, that in itself is not true saving faith. You see, the second thing is not only must we acquire knowledge, but maybe we must give assent to that knowledge. It's one thing to hear something, to know something, to read something, but do you believe it's true? Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Have you ever heard something? Has anybody ever told you anything that you just didn't believe it? <laughs> you knew it wasn't true. No way. Or maybe they told you something and you weren't sure. You kind of had your doubts. You didn't really know if that was true or not. But then other things that you've acquired that knowledge, that you've known that it was true. You've come to believe that it's true. But you see, there's a third part. You have to, first of all, you have to acquire the knowledge. Then you have to give assent to it, that you believe it. But thirdly, you have to act upon it. You see, there's an action that comes from something if you really believe it. Now, I'll give you an illustration that you've probably seen on the news in the last couple of days. They've known as the week has been approaching that this huge hurricane was going to strike somewhere as it came through the, uh, the islands of the Bahamas and it was heading up uh, towards the east coast of the United States. They knew before it got to those islands. They knew that it was coming. And they were told that it was coming. And if they believed that report, they made preparations for its coming. We find that people were preparing days in advance because they had heard something and they believed it was true. They believed somebody wasn't just making up some story about this big storm that's going to hit their home. And when they heard it and believed it, then they acted on it. Many of them boarding up their places to protect them places. Many of the places being evacuated. Why? They were acting upon it because if they really believed that that storm was coming, they weren't going to just sit back and sunbathe on the beach and just wait for it to happen. Because they were being told there were going to be consequences. Now, no illustration is perfect, but I'm saying this to you. Those devils would give assent to Jesus Christ. They knew that he existed. They knew what he had done and all of these things. They knew. They knew that Jesus had died on the cross. They knew the tomb was empty the third day. They knew these things. They even gave their assent to them. But they never acted upon them. There was nothing that went along. Of course, we looked, we looked at scriptural salvation. You can't have salvation without repentance, without conviction, without the work of the Holy Spirit. We know that without God, none of us would be saved. We can't save ourselves. But God's given you his truth. You first of all have to know it. Then you have to give assent to it. You have to believe it. And then you have to act upon it. And we covered some things that we won't look back at, but we said, you know, that saving faith is different from any other kind of faith. Most of the time, we learn to have faith in something. We looked at a number of different illustrations, whether it's drinking water, <laughs> taking medicine, eating healthy, 
sitting in the chair you're sitting in, getting on an airplane and flying. There's certain things you do every day of your life that you've learned that if you do this, this is what's going to happen and you act upon it because you genuinely believe that's going to be the result. But when it comes to saving faith, we said it's different because there is no other experience like it in all the world. You've never experienced it. There's nothing else to compare it to. We learn by comparisons. Jesus has went to great detail to compare the right and the wrong all through this passage that we looked at in the Gospel of Matthew. We learn that way. But you see, saving faith is different because you've never experienced it before. You've never done anything like it before. Without trying to oversimplify it, folks, saving faith is taking God at his word. It is believing the word of God. You see, saving faith is having to put your confidence in something that you've never seen or experienced before simply by believing God's Word. Believing what God says. Because you see, we find that he tells us right here even in this passage that we've been looking at. Through faith, we understand that the worlds are framed by the Word of God. What does he mean? Well, we can look around at creation, and I'm sorry if it's offensive to some, but I, I think it takes a pretty ignorant, foolish person to look at God's wonderful and beautiful creation around us and think that it just happened by itself, whether it came out of some bog or some bang or some boom or whatever else, that it all just happened. But you see, the funny thing is, man's doing all this. Well, man wasn't even created till day six. Man's trying to figure out something when man didn't even exist. But there's somebody that was there. That was God. And you see, God's told us what happened because he was there. He was not only the eyewitness, he was the one that was responsible for it. He knows the events. But the trouble is, so many people, this big bowl of cosmic soup is somehow more powerful, more easier to believe than them, than the God in heaven that we serve and worship. But you see, he told us here in Hebrews that, that it was by faith, by faith that, that man can even know that. Why? Because God's the only one that was there. God's the one that has told us. And therefore, we've got to truly have confidence and belief in his word. Now, folks, all of man's intelligence and all of man's science and everything that man has ever come up with, and boy, he's come up with some pretty phenomenal things, but not one of them has ever gone to disprove God's word in any way. Now listen, because I'm not going to go back through all of this again. If you're here this morning and you don't know that you've had true saving faith, then you need to realize something. You can look around you and you can accept whether there, a God is there or is not there. And we'll be looking at that more in just a moment. You see, saving faith, first of all, you have to recognize that he is, that he's there, that he exists. But right now I'm wanting you to grasp that True saving faith has got to be based here. It doesn't matter what your preacher says, what your church says, what the TV evangelist says, what the radio preacher says. It doesn't matter what anybody says. It matters what God says. That's the scale. That's the weight. That's what it's all got to go against. Folks, we live in a day. We've got more information at our disposal than ever in the history of mankind. And boy, some of that is great and fantastic. But a lot of it is destroying our churches too. We, as we've looked at in other sermons recently, <laughs> we may not want to admit it, but man, 
Most of them are just a, a bunch of spoiled babies. <laughs> we look around the world. We are, we are such a blessed people, and yet all we can do is complain, 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 because this is not the way we want it, and that's not the way we want it. We are so blessed. We live in a world that is just wanting to appease and please and enjoy. You know, I want the world. We go out there on those streets, why? Because there's only one truth that's going to change their lives. They're not going to all come through those doors, but if they come through those doors, listen, I want them to feel welcome. I want them to feel loved. I don't want them to come in here to enjoy themselves. I don't want them to come here to be entertained. The world is giving them all of that, and suddenly the church thinks it's got to do the same thing. We better grasp there are some things that we're supposed to be contending for, that we're supposed to be fighting for, no matter what it costs us. And I'm saying to you today, with all of my heart, I believe that true saving faith is one of those things that has been undermined and has been undercut. And we need to grasp it and we need to stand for it and we need to proclaim it today. Because all the good feelings and all the emotions and all these things in the world will not change a person's life. It will not change their destiny. Most of Christendom is on that broad road. Jesus said it, not me. They are sincere. They are genuine. They think they're going in the right direction. And all along it's because the foundations have been destroyed. Those people aren't meaning harm. Vast majority of them are good people. But folks, true saving faith can only come from one place. I don't have time this morning to reiterate, but let me just remind you. You know some things for one reason only. That's because not of some good feeling or bad feeling that you get inside. The work of the Holy Spirit must work in your life. But the Holy Spirit is going to use God's Word. This book, not what people say, not what people think. It is God's Word that says in Romans 3.20, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God's glory. His perfect holy righteousness. I wish there was some way that you and I and everybody else could truly grasp how awful the one single tiniest sin in your life, how awful that is to a holy God. How that that one single tiny sin of disobedience back in the Garden of Eden has brought all the horror and the hell and the hate and the mayhem that we see in this world today is because of one tiny sin of disobedience. And recognize that in God's great love, He alone has done something about that. He alone came and died on that cross and shed His blood because there was nothing else that was sufficient. All of the blood was tainted by sin. Only he could do that. You see, it's only God's glory because we, we need to understand sin. Sin, whatever sin you want it to be, whether it's your action or your thought or whatever it is, sin. What was it brought death into this world? It was sin that brought death into this world. With sin comes death. That's all it would take to destroy heaven. You think that would be a God of love? Just to let somebody in because after all, their sin wasn't that bad. And they were so sincere and they were so genuine. And yet, when they came, guess what? Heaven would become just like this place. Sin would corrupt just as it did here. One sin, that's all it took. One sin. You see... God says that we've all sinned, that we've all come short of the glory of God. The Holy Spirit takes those words because God said it. And it's through his power and his conviction that he brings those to our hearts, yes. God's the one that said We wouldn't know it otherwise. 
We've all sinned, but he says, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, we have many today that are telling us that it's not loving to tell people that they're sinners, that there's consequences for that sin. They think it's more loving to just let them feel good and feel okay. Oh, they'll pay for it one day when they go to hell instead. That's not the loving God that we serve. We've all sinned, but while we're sinners, God commended his love toward us because Jesus Christ went to that cross and died in your place. That's how much he loved you. We don't need to cover it over and make people feel good about who they are and where they are. We don't need to try to make people to feel bad by jerking their emotions around. They need to hear God's word, and God, through his word, will speak to their hearts, but we're keeping it from them. True, saving faith can come but from one place. It's knowing, hearing, acquiring God's word, and then being able to come and give assent to it and believe it and then to act upon it. Because, again, it's his word. It's his word that said to us that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, it's true. We are all sinners. But God knew that, and he loved us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. Now, if we continue in our sin, there's only one place it can go, and that's death. There is no other place. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's no other place that we probably so often take people to show them the plan of salvation than what we call the Romans road. Why? It's so simple. That's what they have to hear. That's what they have to know. We don't want to make it harder for people. We don't want to make that narrow gate a tiny slit. But he said there's few people that find it. We need to show them the way. This is the only way. Man's trying to use all of his different psychologies and his different ways. There's only one way. True saving faith can only come. Why does the Bible say that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God? There's no other access. That's not hard. It's easy to get sidetracked from. <laughs> It's easy to be taken in all kinds of, of directions in the world that we live in today. You see, we mostly end up taking them next to Romans chapter 10 when he said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He says here, he says, for with the heart... Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's got to begin on the inside. All of the polish that we put on the outside in the end will not make the difference. The Scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. People, it's so simple. You know, if somebody with, with any brains at all, if they were sitting out there and they knew that that hurricane was coming in and that they were going to have to face it, <laughs> They could know that. I believe this. I really don't think that you could have a mind that's in functioning order. That if you knew that it was, I don't care if it was a class three, four, five, or whatever. It might be so big they ain't even found a number for it yet. The simple truth is, if you heard that, 
And if you really believe that, then I think you're going to act upon it. I think you're going to act upon it. If you hear what we've read, that Jesus Christ, he died for you. He's paid for it. One day, you're going to face God with your sins. <coughs> if we believe that, will we not act upon it? Why does he go on here to, to tell us in Romans chapter 10, how then shall they call on him in whom <coughs> they have not believed? Okay, that's the key, isn't it? True saving faith. What is that? Well, he goes on, he says, well, then how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? They might have come along. They might have had all the oozy-goozy music and the emotional playing, and boy, they go away. They're feeling absolutely fantastic, but they haven't been told. Pure and simple. If your sins haven't been dealt with, there is a consequence that will be paid. Now, God's loved you so much, he's taken that payment and taken care of it for you. But you're the only one. You're the only one that can accept and receive that payment in your life to believe it. You're the only one that can act upon it. How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Whereas I saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? For then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Folks, saving faith, can I tell you, it only has one source. There's nowhere else it can come from. Nobody's ever been saved by man's sermon, by man's songs, by man's testimonies. These things can all be used as instruments, but they've never saved anybody. There is only one place that's found in God's grace, and there's only one way, and that's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, they begin to erode that faith, just, we, just as we saw here in Hebrews chapter 11, might be taking away the God of creation. It might be that they want to take away a little verse here or a little verse there, because they don't understand it. You don't take away part of God. You take him for who he is. And the only way we can know who he is is in his word. Saving faith is having absolute confidence and conviction in God's word. You see, why do you think that it is undermined so much in our days well, that doesn't really mean that, and that doesn't really apply now. And this, where, what gives any of us the authority, the place, the sense to try to take what God has said and say it doesn't, doesn't work that way anymore? That doesn't really apply today. You see, the simple truth is, is that God's Word hasn't changed, and saving faith is having absolute confidence and conviction in his word. You know the word substance here? When it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, you know that same word could also be translated conviction. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Substance, that which is under, that which holds it, that conviction. There's, there's a difference about hearing something and being convinced, being convicted of its truth. You see, it's the Holy Spirit. He's the one that convicts our soul, but how does he do that? People think they're under conviction sometimes because some song has moved them, some sad story has moved them, but I'm saying to you that Holy Ghost conviction only comes by God's Word. God's Word is what will convict them. If they're saved on anything else, on any other substance, then it's not going to hold up their hope. 
It's not going to be strong enough. We may want it to be. You see, God's the one that teaches us. His grace is sufficient. And faith, faith is all it requires. That's all that it requires. We can't work for it. We can't do anything else, but it's the only, it's the only thing that will work. What is the object? Well, we saw, we saw back when Jesus was talking about the two gates, the narrow one and the wide one. Jesus said, enter ye at the straight gate, the narrow gate. That's the one. That's the one that he said, enter there. Well, notice here that he's sealed. He says that, but without faith it is impossible to please him. Notice what he says, for he that cometh to God. And he said, enter. In Matthew here, he's saying, come. God's the one that's on the other side of that gate. You see, it's that, that action still of entering at that gate, of coming unto the Lord. We have to come to it. We must believe, he says, first of all here in verse 6, that he is. That's the first step. I'm not going to spend any long. If you don't believe that God exists out there, then you're not going to get any further. There's no way you're going to believe that this is his word if you don't even believe that he's there. He is. He is. He is God. We find that he says next, and he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, I can believe an awful lot of things about God, but if I don't believe that he's going to act on behalf of me as an individual, then I can never, ever, ever, I can never, ever, ever be saved. If God truly exists and he is there, the question is, does he know you personally? Will he actually do something for you as an individual because he knows you? You see, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What does it mean to seek him diligently? You see, we've got to believe that that God that's there, that if we will approach him, that God will reward that. That God will respond to you. You've got to believe first enough to seek him because, you know, if your faith isn't to that point, God can only grant to those that will seek him. Yes, true. You Love him because he first loved you. You'll only seek him because he first sought you. And he told you that. And he's given you that truth. And he's left his spirit. The word diligently means to, to search something out, to investigate something, to crave something, to demand something, to seek after something. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, that if we truly believe, then the simple truth is Jesus wasn't just another man, another prophet, another great soul. He was God. He was part of the triune God. He's the creator of everything that is. He is the sovereign of this universe. He's holy. He's all these things that God's word teaches us about him. The God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know it's hard to get your head. That's why, you know, you won't experience it anywhere else. 
But to believe is to understand who God is, not just that Jesus was some guy that was nice enough to let him nail him to a cross so that he could be a good influence on your life. He's the God of eternity, the creator of all. We find that he's a God that will reward you if you will seek after him. Today, with true saving faith, you're going to have to believe enough that you're going to seek him, though. You've got to first come to recognize who he is and what he is enough that you'll seek for him. God will be there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we come to really only understand these truths upon that saving faith because, like I've said, <laughs> we've never experienced it before. We just don't know these things. There's no other way. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so, being that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. We that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon. That mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now, he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, that's, that's why we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Why? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. We commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf that you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we just judge that if one died for all, then were all dead. That he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, which hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray that you in Christ did be ye reconciled to God, where he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. We might be made the righteousness of God in him. Folks, I've got to close. I wish I could say some other things here this morning, but our time is gone. You see, true saving faith. First of all, it's knowing some things that only come from one place, and that is the holy word of God. Nothing else. Forget all a man's sincerity. Forget all a man does. There's only one basis for it. It's knowing that. It's believing that. Believing that. That it's God's Word. Through the power of His Spirit, He gives us understanding of this book. 
and then we act upon it. You see, I find it just even more difficult. I find it hard to think. Now, I know there was some foolish people that were having to be told at the last minute to get out of the way of that storm. There comes a point when people move because the situation becomes serious enough. I tell you what, that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me near as much as Christians that really believe what we've just said here, and it doesn't change their lives. I, I, I can't grasp how that true saving faith, really knowing what God has said in his word, believing it, believing it enough that you're willing to live your life by that book. You're willing to act upon it. First of all, yes, in admitting your own sinfulness, recognizing that, seeing yourself as God sees you, seeing the awfulness, not trying to somehow reconcile it and everything within yourselves because, well, this isn't that bad compared to so-and-so and compared to all this, that, and the other. You're trying somehow to feel better about your sin rather than seeing it with God and being disgusted with it and wanting to put it behind you and wanting to be as much like him and as close to him as you possibly can with your life. You see, lost people have to come to that point. Man, sometimes Christians need to. How can, we, how can we truly believe and understand it? And our actions not follow suit. Something is wrong. You see, when the Bible says there that we believe, that's not contradicting the other places where he says that, you know, unless you repent, that you can't be saved. The simple truth is, is that if you really believe it, you see it and recognize it and believe it, you will repent. You're not going to try to hang on to your sin and Jesus at the same time. Folks, he says there's a new creation. And he says those of us that are left, I can't understand. How can we, on the one hand, know what's in his word and genuinely believe it? and yet just go about our everyday lives as if it doesn't matter when almost every human being that we come into contact with, they need Jesus. There is nothing else in the world that will save them. And yet we will talk with them about all the, all the sports and all the business and all the education and all the other things in the world. Never discuss Jesus with them. Never discuss their eternal destiny with them. Truth is, something's wrong. I genuinely believe with all my heart, and I could say so. We could preach whole series just on faith. I want you to grasp this. If you grasp anything from, from these six sermons that I've run out of time with, grasp this. Jesus is trying to warn you to be careful that there's a whole world of religion out there that's inviting you and trying to get you on this broad path. They're selling tickets like mad. Jesus said, there's this straight and narrow way. There's not many people that find it. Please, come this way. Come through this gate. Because in the end, that's the only one that's really leading. Not because he's made it hard but because everybody else is out there trying to open up the broad way to find some simpler way where you don't have to do it God's way. He hasn't put it in there to where it's hard to understand. Even a child can understand it. People don't want to. There's consequences to face. Faith. The substance of things hoped for. Every hope that we have rests upon it. Why? Well, by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, the Bible says. Why? Because he knows us. He says, lest any man should boast. <laughs> we just start bragging about what we've done to be a Christian. 
No, by God's grace, through faith. Those demons, man, they knew it, and they certainly believed who he was, knew what he'd done, but they never acted upon it. I'm asking you today, you can know all the facts of that Bible. Do you really believe them? Do you really believe they mean what they say? Because if you do, it should result in some action in your life. First of all, in humbling yourself before a holy God and recognizing only because he loved you enough to die in your place, that's the only thing that holds up your hope for you. Believing him, he died for you. You're the only one that can act upon that today. True saving faith doesn't come by accident. You don't wake up one morning and realize, whoa, I got it. Don't know when it came. You got to know some things in God's word. You got to believe them enough that you're willing to act upon them. Christians, let's not let the world get us sidetracked. All the stuff out there, I don't care how good it is, how good it sounds, how pretty it is. It'll never get anybody off that broad path. There's only one place, somebody, somebody has got to be his ambassador. Somebody has got to represent Jesus Christ, the real truth that'll change people's lives if they'll believe it, if they'll act upon it. Father, true saving faith, well, we try to make it all kinds of things. And Lord, I, you know my heart, I've attempted these six sermons just to show how, Lord, the comparison that you gave yourself, how easy it is to have something that we think is something that it's not. But, Lord, in the end, we, we need to have true saving faith. And Lord, we can only have that from your word, by the power of your spirit. We have to give you thanks for that. Lord, our lives need to be acting upon it if we really believe it today. We've really acknowledged that as being the truth. Then Lord, help us to live accordingly. Today, there may be in our presence someone that's lost that doesn't know Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, I pray. Don't let them leave here with their false hopes today. Help them to realize, Lord, we're not, we're not saying these things to try to make them feel bad, to try to take away their joy, to try to pin them down with anything that's, that's, that's our own making, but that they can experience the only real freedom there is. It's only the truth that will set them free, that they may experience an inner peace and joy that can only come from you. I pray that you'd do that work in their hearts. Lord, for every Christian, boy, we, we're full of well, aware of how often we fail you and how miserable that we sometimes take your commands to do the things we ought to be doing Lord, help us. Help us to know your word, yes. But help us when we read it and we come to receive that knowledge. Help us, Lord, to believe it for what it says and not to try to make it something else. Help us, Lord, to believe it in such a way that it will then bring the action in our lives. Lord, whether it's coming to accept you as our Lord and Savior, whether it's living by that faith day by day, that others can see you in us. I pray that you do that in our lives for us. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.